today we talk the importance and magic of family as well as an unprecedented youtube presence as we chat to al and joel of the micmacs on benny asking people questions guest or guests today kind of need no introduction, but I really do I get this excited about a podcast, so to hell with you all, I'm doing one. Today's guests are the Micmacs, a band that has pretty much redefined the idea of hard work. Their building of an audience from grassroots connections is of the likes that haven't been seen here in this genre since our very own Peter Coombe. Their rise and consistency is unparalleled and a genuinely beautiful example of what can happen at the heart of belief, passion, persistence and family. Their product or brand is so calculated and exact, delivered with such comfort and contentedness, it begs the question, who guided them or more succinctly, how much did they sell their souls for when the devil came offering them fame? They are a once-in-a-generation act, and I'm kind of pretty fascinated to have them join me here today to fill in all the gaps and give us a little bit of an insight. So, listeners, I give you Joel and Al from... The Micmacs. Well, wow, we Benny. Tiny Mucks. Oh, oh, wow. On the book. <laughs> what an intro. That was brilliant, man. Wow. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Thanks for your time. I'll talk to you guys later. Bye. Take hey, care. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was that was incredible, Benny. Thank you. Well, thank you very much. It's it's um wow. I didn't realise, you know, that um obviously we we work very hard at at being who we are. Um. When we perform both on and off stage, but to hear to hear you sum it up like that, it, it really kind of. We, Joel and I were looking at each other, going, "He's right. Wow, that's that, wow. That's that that really what people think about." <laughs> oh, oh my god, that's exactly what we're like. He got it so well. That's exactly. <laughs> um, well, I think. Look, you know, I I I'm quite enamoured by the children's. Um, music scene. I love the effort. I'm a teacher and it's important to me and I think it's important that we get celebrated and I think, you know, the work you've done is is quite extraordinary and it, and it is, it's a, it's a whole new, there's, there's a very defining process that, divine, that, that defines the micmacs that, um, you know, hasn't really been done before. You've sort of crossed all these genres and you've sort of, not genres, but the way you've presented yourself moving into online and all that kind of thing. Um, I guess the, the, before we get too deeply into it, what is, what is the, where does it start for you? What are your musical histories, I guess, more than anything? Yeah, sure. Yeah, um, I, look, it, it comes from growing up um, in a small community um, in country Victoria, Um and basically just experimenting with music um, between us as a family. So, look, our mum, our mum is very musical. Um, she was is a primary school teacher, um, always had a guitar in the classroom with her, and that's where it all started with us, um, is from our mother. Um, Dad is secretly musical, I think, but he would <laughs> never let on that he is. You know, he's, he's a farmer, he's very quiet, very, very sensitive, very kind man, but um, just loves the hard work of the farm and, and doesn't sort of give too much himself away creative, creatively. But um, mm. I think it, it definitely came from our mother um, and growing up and watching each other. Um, 
I think was a big thing as well. And because um, we didn't have any guitar teachers around or mm. no music schools where we grew up, it was it was really just playing and experimenting, growing up on the farm. I mean, mm. I guess I guess the fact that your dad is fundamentally so supportive of what you do, I imagine. Mm, yeah, that's very, very much. That's probably his creative outlet, isn't it? I mean, the fact that, you know, he, he he traditionally could be someone who would be a bit disgruntled by the whole thing and be waiting for you to take up the tractor. But <laughs> but the fact that he supports it is probably his way of going, you know, I, I really respect this thing that you're doing and I think it's really, you know, it deserves my attention and my my support. So that's great. Um, now, yes, put on. In, ordinarily in these interviews, there's this inedible question about when you decided to be children's entertainers. But I don't know. I just kind of feel that it's a little like asking you that question is a little bit like asking a kangaroo at what point did it decide to be a kangaroo. I mean, it's kind of just it there from the start. And I and I guess yeah. the question for the two of you is not when you decided to be children's performers. I guess the question is at what point did you realise this thing is actually going to be successful and now deserves much greater scrutiny or greater mm. attention? Mm. Yeah, that's a great question. I think there was a point we knew that we loved doing it straight away. Um, you know, it was it was just an idea. It was, um, it was something, there were songs bobbing around and we all had young, young children at that, at that stage and singing, dancing with them. And but we had an idea. And it was probably, I'd say, after the fourth or fifth live show, where you you just get that instant gratification and the mm. and the direct feedback instantly from the kids and and the parents. Yeah, hey, this is this is really good stuff. And um, you know, we, we we've we, and we've always enjoyed that that really instant feedback straight away because there is a lot of energy at a live show. There's a lot of live yeah. live music going on, uh, and that's what. An, initially hooked us, I would mm. yeah, I would say. And and the support that we got from our our, our little fan base here in, in, around the Geelong area was was overwhelming. And um, mm. yeah, and that's I think that's that's the point. And blue, we love her so much, and so will you. And hope the elephant is her name. Yeah, I mean, I can, I can hear that. One of the questions I was going to say is, is you know, one of the you, you can, you can hear it in the music you do. Your music. One of the things that you do is you really go after the audience, as opposed to sort of try to get the audience to you. It's, it feels like you really walk out there and go, "What do they want to hear? What are they, what are they going to want?" And you respond yeah. to that, and it feels like it's been a pretty consistent thing to you. And I, and I did wonder, mm. I did wonder that the absence of those live shows, particularly lately. I mean that must be that must actually be really quite hard for a micmac because you know I get the sense that you you just live off that interaction and you thrive off those audience and and like you're saying that is why you do it. I mean is it is it must be terribly hard to have that absent. Yeah, it was it was for a couple of weeks. It was I know what are we what are we going to do? We sort of lost a hundred shows with, within a week, pretty much. Whoa! Uh, so it was like it was mm. it was twelve months worth of work within a week. Wow. But, but sort of in the in 
in the background uh, as as any kids act would do. You know, we you build your fan base across a variety of different platforms. And for us, that was our saviour because we knew we could still connect with kids on a one-to-one basis via those those mm. platforms. You know, we could still do what it was that we loved to do and get that and get that that, that reassurance from the kids that they're really enjoying it and the, pa- the parents value it instantly. So um, we ha- we've got a green screen studio. Yes, uh, <laughs> I'm, and, I'm, I'm well aware of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, it, and and so and moving to to live shows has really been a, a game changer for us. You know, it's live streams. Yeah, yeah. sorry, a lot. A live yeah. it, was, it was something we, we'd always always spoken about. You know, but we just never got the time, and I guess never there was never the right moment to really stop creating content for YouTube. And focus on the on the live stream, and and and, and this situation causes to do that. And, yeah, sure, sure. And it's, yeah, and it's something that I don't think we will we will let go. Oh, I mean, no, you'd be, yeah. you'd be crazy to him. And it, it, it. He, mm. I mean, it sort of goes back to my introduction. There's there's a real. Um, I think it's I think it's a space that a lot of people try to tackle, and I think um, obviously people like Debbie Do and Bounce Patrol and now Lala's are getting in there and, and taking it on as well. But but it is, but it's really hard. It is really hard, and I think it's a testament. You know, I think what's a testament to the to you all is that you you've you've adjusted from this real desperation and connection from the live platform. And gone. How do we sort of keep that keep that existing, moving into the online presence? So before we get launched too much into that, let's just look purely musically because we go right back to your first album, two thousand thirteen, The Mick Max. I found this thing very country influenced. I'm guessing that's sort of in your repertoire of influences, or not really. Or <laughs> it is, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, musically, if you, if you want to quickly talk about our musical history, it stems from um, playing in local hub pubs. You know, back when we were, well, I was 17. <laughs> my first, my yeah, first right. Don't um, Brian. <laughs> Brian, Brian was probably the instigator, the oldest brother, and yeah. he um, he got us into the pub gigs. And look, it really does stem from the the genre of music we're playing. We we used to play a lot of BNS balls, we used yep. to play a lot of football club balls, and and things like that. And the set list I actually walked. Well, I was back on the farm. We we called the farm, which is Mum and Dad's place. I was yep. back there a few weeks ago, and I walked into our old our old rehearsal room in, in a cottage we've got back there. And I looked at the set list on the wall, which is twenty five years old. Amazing. And I looked at it, and I thought, we still play three quarters of those songs. <laughs> <laughs> so the music hasn't changed. Our I guess like the, the country Aussie rock is still. Yeah. Very common, you know, and I think that will always carry through in the kids' music that we write. You know, we love having the acoustic guitar, the drum beat drive in the song. There's always going to be a bass with a bit of overdrive in there as well. Um, and so the, the music is written, obviously, with our, our adult influences in mind, yeah. but 
trying to make it as engaging as for kids as we possibly can, so it can be enjoyed amongst you know all audiences. Yeah, well, like I got that in the on the first album, the Micmacs, <clears throat> this sense that you know you were taking the things you already knew and you just kind of went, well, how do we mash them into children's music? How do mm-hmm. we just kind of adjust them so they become very children? However, I feel once when we what I did love about that early, I'm like, I think Mr. Mozzie's a really great. Um, and the pirate song is a really great uh, example of you. You start to introduce these real storytelling elements within the music, which I think was quite unique and really lovely. Um, and I think something that sort of set it apart from clearly what you were doing for adults. You you had the sense of humour to go, actually, why don't we just stop the song there and just drop in this whole section where the pirates all chant something? You know, yeah. I think that was there. But but sort of two years later, we get to working on the farm. And the thing, the immediate thing I noticed about those two, um, the, the the growth in those two albums is just the production and the arrangement of the songs. I felt like you had started drifting away from that traditional children's sound and you started getting bigger and fuller. Um, now, it doesn't mean you weren't writing children's songs, but it's almost like in that from that first album to the second, you realise, actually, you know what, we don't necessarily need to dumb down the presentation of the music as mm. long as we're still keeping that child's sensibilities. Um, do you feel, looking back, and I mean we are talking five, six years ago, do, do you feel there was much of a growth between those first two? I mean do you feel that you found yourselves a bit more or started identifying what the Micmac sound was a bit as you moved away from that first album? Yeah, we do, Benny. Yeah, look, and it's something um, which we we did recognise. We actually had that first album produced for us in a studio in Geelong. Yeah, right. Uh, so we had a producer working on it. The second album was actually produced by Dino. Um, so he he was studying um, uh, advanced diploma in sound engineering. Um, Dino is our youngest brother, yep. um, by the way. Um, so he was studying uh, music um, at the time. And so working on the farm album was actually his project for that advanced diploma in music production. Oh, uh, great. Oh, so... So yeah, that that was basically his first go at it. Um, wow. And look, Beno's influence is nineties rock. Like he loves the Food Fighters <laughs> and he loves all that stuff. Yeah, so sure. When you talk about the production of the songs actually increasing, um, yeah, look, there was a lot more in there. Like a, a lot of the country guitar licks he he performed. Um, you know, and he was just starting to play around with native instruments and getting keyboard sounds in and and all that sort of thing. So. Yeah, he was he was a massive influence behind that second album. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. that's really interesting because there's a couple of albums like I think Sway's a good example of that would have been done very differently on the Mick Max album, and then something like. Um, uh, rest of my head. I don't even think that would have made it on the first Mick Max album. And I, and I kind of feel that when you got to working on the farm, there was just a definite growth and a finding of yourself. And yeah. I think that stayed there. What I've actually really loved about your music is, it's, again, it goes back to that idea that you you go to the audience, that it's almost like, you know, we've found it. This is what we do. This is what we do well. This is what everyone's responding to. And you've kind of cons- kept that consistent feel now. Mm. You know, into yeah. the Christmas album, um, you know, three years later into the Christmas album, then you, or the Christmas EP, then, um, you know, a year after that play, you, you found yourselves, you know. It feels like you yeah. found yourself and you're comfortable with who you are in that sound now. Is that yeah. is that a fair call? It is, yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And it's, it's funny because Play actually had quite a few different producers, Um 
after after Dino passed away a few years ago, um, we were really really stuck for I guess that that producer element or that producer ear to over our music. Um, you know, and there was a lot of searching going on for, okay, so what, what is our sound and how do we want our music to sound going forward knowing that, that Dino wasn't there to produce it for yeah. us anymore? So Play had three different producers mm-hmm. on it. Um, and if you listen to the songs, you can pick, you know, which songs are sure. produced by different people. Yeah. Uh, and it had, I think, we had a couple of other guys because with, without Dino, we lost that electrical electric guitar polish, I guess, over our song. Yeah. Um, so I had a cover band at the time and I used a couple of the guys I used in the cover band to, to lay some, um, some some electric guitar over the songs with, for us. So it's a, it was a real mashup of, of different music, of different guys coming together and different producers. Yeah, it was, um, a, real, yeah, it was a real transition yeah. phase for us. And like re-establishing our, our sales, not, not as a band, but our sales as in us. You know how how is it going to look? How is it going to sound? How is it going to come off? Mm. Um, you know, it's by far the most challenging period for us as a as a band and as a family and as as, as brothers. Come and Going through that, that that process, so the ups and downs really allowed us to see that it was still a great way to stay connected to Dean. Yeah, uh, was to share his music and to and to keep his 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 legacy going. I guess. Yeah. Well, there's actually that kind of leads well into the next question because I was going I was obviously going to bring up the the tragic loss of Dean and and there's this beautiful moment in the Geelong Advisor, Joel, where you say. Um, yeah, this quote where you say it took him years and years of hard work to realise his talent, and and I kind of on face level that kind of is a nice compliment to Dean, but it actually spoke more about I think you all as a family than it did of anything because it, it, to me it almost spoke this sense that Mick Max can't exist without brothers without the family there and I guess ordinarily you know you start a band you find like-minded people and you celebrate that and you get creative and you start doing it whereas you as a family continually worked with Dean or you know it was about finding a way for him and all of you to be part of this thing which yeah. kept you invested in each other being part of it and and I guess um you know, it's like you're all you're all integral to the success or this personal satisfaction you get from the Micmacs, and and so I guess the question from that is, you know, would would Micmacs have existed if it weren't for family? I don't think no. so. No, I don't think so, Benny. Um, going back to one of your first questions about you know the first why why we um, why kids music became a thing for us. Um, one of the big things for me was that it was the first time since we were kids, um, the four of us, that we could be together on stage and be connected in a way that likely we were more 
on the farm growing up. So yeah. when we left, when, when we all went our separate ways from the farm, because not one of us stayed felt bad on the farm, <laughs> we, you know, Brian went off, um, Brian played AFL for three or four years. Oh, wow. Um, Joel went off, did a, a primary school, um, he became a primary school teacher. I went off and became a secondary school teacher. And then yeah. Dino went and became an electrician. And we all sort of went our separate ways. But the kid, the micmacs was, for me anyway, was the way of us all coming back together like we were when we were kids. And we were able to share our experiences as kids. And that's that was the big thing why I sort of thought, well, this is, this is something I want to do for the rest of my life. Because I want to share the experience with the other brothers on stage with us. Yeah. So, I th- yeah, I think your question, I don't think it would have existed if it wasn't no. for family. No. I think you can hear that and I think you can hear in the way it's done. I mean, I, I one one thing that I sort of just tracking the career and looking at it, I think what what feels as an outsider that's happened in the last sort of couple of years, obviously since Dean's passing, is this idea that the Micmacs have come out really strong and really crystal clear. It's not to say you weren't before, but there's – because I can only imagine having to still walk out there and perform would have brought up an an enormous amount of conflicting emotions within you. Should we or shouldn't we? Is this right or is this wrong? But like you just touched on before, I feel – it feels like what's come out of it is now this new stronger micmacs that have gone – no, actually, you know what? This is us, and and we now almost have a new level of obligation or, or type of dedication to this thing that we've created because it now even holds even more meaning because we're doing it on behalf of someone who can't be here doing it themselves. Yeah, exactly right, Penny. Exactly right, and uh, you know, it's something that Al and I and and from the Panda have discussed a lot. And yeah, you're right. You know. You, the words that you use are absolutely spot on. And, um, you know, and you use the words obligated, you know, you know it's, yeah. it's, it's a responsibility that we, that, that we do feel and it's a responsibility that we cherish, especially on, on sort of streaming platforms. There are so many, you know, there's, there's millions of eyes on us a day. So we do feel that sense of responsibility to, to give a bit of education and to give a bit of laughter and, mm. and to, um, Look, it's fundamentally a beautiful world to be part of for healing as well. I mean, I think there's this unit, whenever I speak to anybody around the world, you know, all around the world with these podcasts, because I'm so international, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, when I'm jaunting about the world doing these these interviews, there's this universal understanding amongst everyone of the joy you get from performing in the children's space. Yeah. And I, again, only as an outsider can only imagine that the, the joy, that joy of being part of that kind of thing would have been enormously healing and, and, and probably the best place to put that, that grieving, I guess, you know. That's... Yeah, it was. And there was lots and lots of messages from, you know, families, um, particularly locally, so obviously showing their support mm. and saying things like, look, please find the strength to go on because, you know, what Dean has provided for us as a family and what you guys continue to provide is something we'll always cherish. So I think that was a big thing for us is once we got past that fear of, you know, how are we going to go on with, without him, it was, okay, so how can we tell his story the best mm-hmm. way that we can, not only for the people who knew him, but as Joel said, with you know, with a large YouTube audience, yeah. you know, not, don't really know who the Micmacs are. So it's we've kind of have this obligation, as you said earlier, to tell Dean's story through that, to those new kids who might be watching it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
What an amazing day it's been But it's coming to an end I've spent so many hours playing And laughing with my friends I admit I'm tired I'd like to go to bed I think it's time for me to rest my head Let's launch into that YouTube thing because I mean you, you I mean it's obviously become much bigger a thing for the world over right now because of COVID. But I mean you, it's been something on your radar or you have already been leaping into for quite a while now. You touched on it before, but this this leap into the YouTube or the online platform was it? It's been conscious for a while, or was it a bit of a response to oh that seems to be a thing that's happening? Should we do it or? Yeah, initially started off three years ago as a place where our our local fans could go to see us more. So that's that's where it started, and um, and again, like, you know, we got great a great response from that, and um, you know, it's, it just ticked the, the the creative box for us again. You know, you, you obviously can't be on the, on the road every day, and. And at that stage, we, we just made the, the, the transition into doing the max full time. So we all left our our day jobs. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. Wow. So I mean, and, and that was a huge risk. <laughs> it was stressful. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> a lot of our friends said, "What on earth are you doing?" <laughs> um, so that gave us the extra the extra platform to, to focus on and some yeah. way to put our our creative energy. Yeah. Um, but we we had tried to pitch several times to, you know, likes of ABC Music and and ABC. It seems to be in Australia the the go to place for Australian um, you know children's content. Mm. Um, and we had some we had some really interesting conversations with them. But after you know sort of six years of pitching, kind of thought, well, <laughs> just do it. let's just do it ourselves. Yeah, you know, sure. Start. Uh, let's in, invest a bit back into to us. Um, and yeah, look, it is a big investment to to get all the production you need to be able to generate and animate. Um, for, yeah, yeah, I was going to say it's a huge beast to feed. I mean, you have a pretty regular stream of content. Is that was it? Is it more exhausting than you imagined, or is it actually probably easier than playing, you know, a tour of live shows? Oh, well, I'd say it's more exhausting trying to get a piece of content to drop every week or two. Yeah, definitely. There's there's we've got a team sort of working twenty four seven. A team of four people working twenty four seven to which is us. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're not other people. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, we, we, you know, we would invest a lot more time and effort into the into the YouTube content than what we do at our own live shows. Yeah, yeah. And it's just you know, it's been that way for about for about three years. So the, the YouTube channel where, where it stands now is. is Three years of continuous work, continuous research, continuous strategy. Um, you know, we certainly just just haven't put the clips there and, and, and crossed our fingers. Okay, kids, it's time to keep the beat with drums. Listen to the words of this song and see if you can play along. Woo! Here we go. Drums are 
But I think you can tell that. And that's, you know, when I, I interviewed Debbie Do as well, and, and there is just a different type of understanding in that world. I think there's just, you, you can't, I think we have this fantasy that you just turn up, drop a track, and all of a sudden you've got a million views on it. But there, but there is such a different. I mean, it's the algorithm, isn't it? You know, I've said I've said the A word, but there is, yeah. you know, there is there is a way to manipulate. I mean, did that was that a tricky thing going from going? I just want to be live and entertaining children to all of a sudden having to sit down and go, oh, how does this digital beast form itself? Like, I mean, does it? Did it? I mean, I don't know. Did it take a lot of initially take a lot of joy out of the content you were creating? Look, kind of, yeah. Look, we, we had some conversations. You mentioned Debbie. Like Debbie and Christian are, are two people we reached out to early on yeah. um, when we started the YouTube journey. You've also mentioned Bounce Patrol and Shannon yeah. as well. They were so, so helpful in, in understanding how it all worked. Um, and you also mentioned at the start in the intro about selling your soul a little bit to... Uh, <laughs> so, Look, YouTube can can be a little bit like that because online video does. If if you want to make money on online video, you have to follow the trends. Yeah. You know, you have to, which you know, people are going to search for. And let's face it, if people have never heard a children's song before, they're not going to be searching for it. So, yeah. um, so there is a little bit of that there as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we we sort of talked about that. We thought, okay, so we want to get eyes on our YouTube channel. We need to produce. We need to do nursery rhyme type content. Yeah. So how can we add our own spin to it? So I think the first one which we really had success for on YouTube was Old MacDonald Had a Farm. Um, but it was traditional for one verse, and then the next seven verses was, well, on Grandpa Micmac's farm, yeah. all sorts of goes on, you know? So yeah. uh, hairy crocodiles and you know, drones picking up sheep and dropping them in different paddocks and all sorts of things. So um, <laughs> it's just about taking that um, is going to hit with, a search search mm. term, uh, what kids can relate to because they're familiar with the tune of Old MacDonald Had a Farm, but but teaching about your own your own brand and teaching and story through the music, yeah. And I guess fundamentally, it is about just bringing people back to you, isn't it? I mean, it is about going, you know, it's it's similar to saying, hey, everyone that buys this, you get a free one of these. It's it's your way of going. I'm going to bring you in with this, but when you're here, come and explore the rest of the stuff that we have. Um. Because there is a something. I was watching one of the, the, the recent one that you did with the, the Science Week one. Because one thing I do think that you do, which I think is really beautiful, which is from your, which I get from your music and I sense is probably there in your live shows and probably comes from this idea that you are teachers, is it's very conversational. And even though everything around you seems really polished, it feels very unrehearsed in a humble way. Like there was a way that like I watched it and kind of I, I was really grappling with this idea that the production seems really sophisticated with the change of scenery and all these these moments of walking off and throwing water on yourself and all this sort of stuff. But then it still just comes down to this bit like, oh, I'd pick that up, would you? Or, oh, hang on, I left my thing over here. Like it's still, it yeah. still feels a bit like, I don't know, let's just see what happens. Surrounded yeah. by this really professional presentation of it. I mean, is... Is that kind of thing really important to the both of you, or is it, or is it just who you are? Yeah, well, I I, I think you've answered the the, the question in, in in two ways. There, it, it's important, incredibly important for us to be who who we are, and and what you see in a live show is just us being us. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> About that, and my response is always. You know, 
It's hard enough being ourselves, let alone trying to be someone else. What kind of animal would you be? Would you walk on the land or swim in the sea? Fly through the sky or climb in a tree? If you were an animal, what would you be? Would you have a long neck like a tall giraffe? Eating leaves on the trees in Africa? Walking around looking down on us? A tall giraffe in Africa? We rarely script a show. We'll have a basic bone sort of stop point structure of how a show is going to roll, how how it's going to work, and that that leaves us room for that for that brotherly interaction, or you know, yes, you know, and, and doing a live show is great for that because a child or a parent can make a comment on the on the thread, and it makes the show in a completely different way. But I guess that's also just that that's the teacher element, isn't it? I mean, you know yeah. you know how to be comfortable in front of that audience and you know mm-hmm. and you know that you have the confidence to just be yourself in front of that audience. Yeah. Um I've got to be careful because I'm thinking back to uh, times when there were, was four of us on stage and you know Brian was as quiet as a mouse and sometimes you just wouldn't know what would come out of Dino's mouth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like uh, <laughs> Uh, but look, John and I, you know, we've, we've learned over the years that there is, you know, there's a line and we certainly walk up to that line quite regularly. Don't we? <laughs> uh, we, we pick. <laughs> and then we sort of pull ourselves back a little bit. Mm. Yeah. But, and, I, look, and, and getting back to the whole, whole point, that the line musically has, has sort of been there too and, and, and Dean's influence as such. And we're always, you know, with the production of the, the, the working on the farm album, we're often doing that to Dean. He, he would he would look over the line and go and step over, and then we we grab him by the shirt and pull him back. Yeah, <laughs> so right. Fun. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, that's really interesting. Well, I was, that's one of the questions I had because, like, going back, I mentioned it earlier with your music. It does cater for the audience. You know, you go to them. It's very action. It's very live. I mean, I hear your stuff, and it is just so live. Um, and it's something that I love about the Micmacs is it's just every song's a single, which you can also see in your releases. You obviously sort of slowly jettison the idea of albums, and you're bringing out more singles, which is great, yeah. and and the, and it lends to that. But it also, particularly when you have such demand for high content and like you're saying, you're appealing to a certain type of audience, you you can fall into the trap of everything kind of having to be quite thematic the same. And particularly if you are doing singles, there's an expectation that that single will resonate with the single before it and so on and so forth. Do you feel... Do you feel sometimes you miss that opportunity to maybe say things that you might want to say or that you have ideas you'd like to develop that you go, you know what, I just don't think it's really going to sit in the Micmac form? Um, you know, particularly with the, with the, you know, there's been a real increase lately of kids' children's acts that, that explore ideas. You know, Teeny Tiny Stevie's obviously have this real interpersonal relationship with the parents and how they speak to them. The Vegetable Plot are, are really championing eating and things like this. Um, do you ever feel like you wish you could step out a little bit of the Micmac mould and get a bit more, I don't know, a bit more personal or a bit more... I don't know. Do you feel like there's things you'd you want to say that you don't feel you can? Uh, I think yeah. Look, we we have certainly. I think the last the last few releases we've done, um, 
moved away from our original story. And our, our story was always um, family on farm, you know. It was yeah. uh, keep traditional family values. And, and through some of those early albums you mentioned, you know, we've got a song about Granny and, yes, you know, yes, and yes. working on the farm. Uh, sorry, there was also songs about sharing. And, and working on the farm told a lot of those stories that we had as kids growing up on the farm. So but that was always, I guess, our thing was teaching kids, taking kids away from, you know, the, their lives and taking them to this magical place where they can run free on a farm and, you know, they can build a billy cart out of prams and roll it down a hill or yeah. you know, run away from a ram who's chasing them down a paddock or things like that. So I feel we probably have moved away from that story a little bit lately. Mm. Um, and I think YouTube is definitely one reason or uh, an influence behind that. Um, mm. Having said that, we've got a few releases coming up soon, and one probably coming out next, uh, probably the next few weeks, isn't it? Which, which then takes us back to that farm setting. Um, I guess, yeah. yeah. And <clears throat> sorry, go on. I, I was going to say it's a, it's a great question, and to probably answer your question, it's probably no. There's nothing, you know. There's there's nothing that we're overly passionate about that we're that we're trying to get out. Uh, as such, and um, you know, we're specific. Yeah, and a, a big thing for us is is not to get to the yep. the the condescending stage, I guess. Which um, you know, we would never tell or try and explain to a child. Okay, this is this is what you must do. Um, yeah. you know, any educational theme or any any message that will that, that we'll use will we'll sprinkle over the song. Yeah. Yeah, that's um, that's a real teacher thing, I reckon, as well. Like, yeah, it is. Yeah. Because your yeah. your career is so teaching driven that sometimes you mm. just want to go. Actually, you know what? We can have some fun. Um, however, in all of that, you kind of just answered it, which which is something that permeates through everything that Mick Max do is that idea of family and connection. You know, and that's and it's and I find it beautifully ironic that your father's left on his own tending to the farm yet all of you go out of your way to speak about the farm and the importance it had on you you know yeah, that exactly. that idea of family and i guess that is the thing that mick max do isn't it it's it's it shows in your production it shows in your words it shows in in the way you respond to each other i mean that is at the heart of it isn't it family is is a big driver for for all of you I guess the next step for us moving forward is, you know, our own kids are, are very musical and very theatrical as well. So I think you will, you'll, uh, the viewers will start to see a, a bit of a transition to our own children joining us a bit more, yeah. both age and, and through the videos. Um, now, we, we had that discussion, you know, when Dan passed away about, okay, what do we do? Do we, do we get someone else in? Do we maybe look for a, a female role to come in and, you know, to, yeah. to appear? some of the, the younger girls who watch us. And we thought, well, no, because like, like you said earlier, it's, it is all about family and we can't, not like we can have another brother or sister like straight away. No, so, totally. Um, and yeah. and I and I understand why you'd, you'd sort of want, you'd have to feel obliged to make some of those decisions, but, but that's mm. the heart of what it is you do is I think it can't. And, and, you know, going back to Brian, you know, like I, I, there's this moment where all four of you were on the stage and then slowly Brian, you know, I sort of saw less and less and I, and I struck me as that guy that's less wanting to be in the front but really technical and loves to know how to, you know, make do all the stuff behind the scenes. I get that sense he's a bit of that kind of guy. Yeah. Um, I do want to ask though just quickly, has Brian or – 
drums, the panda, have they ever been in the same room at the same time as each other? <laughs> yes. Yeah, they have. We've done quite a where those two just will not stop laughing at <laughs> So they're not I guess I guess like let's get the heart of it. It's not Brian's not drums. No, no, no. No, no, no. Drums of Panda is a very, very talented friend um, that that that, uh, that came about through through Al, Al's cover band. Yeah, so he's um, very, very talented. And he, look, he's a super important part of the, the, the Micmacs. He, he draw, he does, he designs yeah. every, every piece of, of artwork is done by by Drums of Panda. Mm. That's incredible. Yeah. That's that's really you know, particularly in that outfit, that must be really hard for him to do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a lovely guy. And, you know, he's, he's covered head to toe in tattoos because of that. He's just a creative. <laughs> That's what he does. Yeah. Well, yeah. tattoos that he's probably given himself. So, you know, why not? about that idea of um, family, and I'll just ask you a couple more, then I'll let you get on with clearly having to produce about eight hours of content by this afternoon. Um, the Going back to this idea of going on YouTube and trying to hold on to this idea of family and the Micmacs and the farm and the, and the things that you do, I, there's this little moment where I think you've obviously whereas either been swept away with the enormity of it, but you released all these Indonesian episodes, which, um, you know, they, they, to me they look like were a lot of work. You've, you've organising voiceover actors and things like this to produce those. Um, did you produce those or did somebody approach you to produce those? We, we had um, the idea of, of creating a, another channel, channel um, in a different language, um, uh, a lot of a lot of the major kids channels do do this. Um, I think with Indo, I think we were actually approached by um, a, a media um, house over there who who then said, "Look, we can you know take take your videos and we can pop some um, Indonesian translation over them, um, and then away you go." So, which we we like the sound of. You know, we're, we're at that stage where you know. Um, the copper was just sort of coming into YouTube Kids, so there's a lot of changes in YouTube Kids space. Um, a lot of creators were, were losing revenue, and we thought, well, okay, let's let's try and diversify a little bit, so not everything on our on our main channel. So um, that was the reason why. And we some people have asked us, why did you choose Indonesian? Um, and I think, well, proximity is a big thing. I think it's it's not that far away, and you know we've had conversations with different people who were doing well in Asia and the Philippines. Um, and I thought, well, it's a, it's a, it's a great audience, which is quite close. So that's why we chose that. Mm. Yeah. Cause, cause I was looking at the, at the, the views and I mean, it doesn't strike me as having a huge amount of views compared to the English ones. Now I do know English does cover obviously a much broader spectrum of, of countries, but then at the same time, I don't know. I sort of looked and I went, oh, I wonder if, you know, China's next or something. You know, like, I, I don't know. It, didn't, it, it seemed like a, not an odd choice, but I, I sort of figured there must have been some reasoning behind it rather than a world map yeah. and, a, and a dart, you know? Yeah, yeah. Look, I think the, the concept is, and it's something which we've, we've learnt probably over the last 12 months, is a piece of content that you 
as, as you mentioned, it can take a long time and a lot of effort to create a piece of content, you know, if that's a, a video clip of a song or something like that. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to take that one piece of content and really diversify where it goes. So how can we use that, you know? And, you know, what you do, Benny, with your podcast is fantastic. So that's you know, a, a type of piece of content. and That, that is a, another way that, we, um, you know, you can take a song or a story and yeah. you can present a piece of content. And now the Indo channel is a way of taking our songs and our artwork and then representing it in a different language. Yeah. That content. Mm. I think that's also lends itself a bit to your whole ethos as I kind of get this sense like is was was you know when you started the Micmacs all the way back then mm. <clears throat> um did you did you have an idea or have you prided yourself in just going you know what the tide's going that way let's go with it and see how best we can float within it yeah. you know like surely an Indonesian channel wasn't on your radar 7 years ago I'm guessing a YouTube channel wasn't on the radar seven years but, ago. But I think you're right. I think that's one thing we've always enjoyed. We've always enjoyed learning new new platforms, um, you know, changing direction slightly um, and learning new things. You know, the being, being creative, being, being musical is the thing, the thing we love. But we, we also love experimenting. We also, you know, uh, that, and that constant learning and research and development, which is not... Often, it's not something that we that we talk about often, but um, yeah, Al's a bit of a geek, really, and um, <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of systems and a lot of and a lot of just you know keeping above or keeping keeping up is probably the best mm. way to yeah. describe it. Yeah, talking, just talking to people because there are, as you know, Benny, there's so many yes. wonderful ways um, that we have experts in. You know, YouTube. Yeah. We have experts live touring with La La and, you know, experts and podcasts with yourself and the Beanies. And there's just, um, there's so many wonderful minds in different spaces in this industry. And it's a great network to be a part of. It, it is. And, and it really, um, <clears throat> I, I think it's really stood up and demanded to be noticed in the last several years. You know, I think, I think there's, there's an industry that's grown despite itself, you know, it, we're, we're just becoming a bit more of a firmer. I guess, unit amongst all of us. Let me tell you a story about my new shoes. Yesterday was my birthday and I got some new shoes. These shoes were different because they had laces too. So you did mention briefly about you tried TV, but you've obviously garnered a lot more success since probably those first 48 tries. Has Is that something you want to do or is YouTube, I guess as soon as you move into television, you, your look and things start getting a little bit dictated by others, don't they? I mean, does YouTube just give you the luxury to really have the freedom to be who you want to be and what you want to do? Yeah, so yeah. we, we often speak about the word control. Mm. Um Having full 100% control over over where our content goes and how it's presented and how it's how it's created, um, you know, it, it's it's a lesson that we've learned we've we've learned along the way. And and some, sometimes the hard way is um, the value in having full over over what you do is something that we that we really really cherish. Yeah. And the work too, like it's um, and I know there's obviously traditional media and 
you know, there's there's so many over the top platforms mm. out there. Every week, there's something else popping up, and the YouTube is is essentially a springboard to get yourself onto other platforms, you know, like your Prime Videos or your Netflix. Or yeah. There's another one this afternoon, which we're going to have a bit of a chat with, you know, which mm. is based out of Portugal, I think. So, wow. Yeah, it really is a great springboard for that. And I mean, we we still communicate with some of the guys from from the ABC. Um, you now we were always sending them what we do, you know, just more so to say, hey, you know, we're still here and this is what we enjoy. Um, but there's certainly not that like, um, you know, <laughs> probably three or four years ago, you'd start the rabbit war in a phone call to try and get to the person and right day after day. But there's a, a sense of, okay, we, maybe there's not that desperation anymore, mate. Juice the content and get it out there and it's, People like it, they'll come to us. Look, I also think um I think there's there's a genuine um I th- I think the children's industry is it, it sort of sniffs out people that are kind of taking advantage of it pretty quickly. Mm. And I guess the thing that you have done or probably ha- have had to do is just like many of us just prove that it's something you deeply believe in, you know. And um, and I guess that that's the secret at the end of the day is like you're saying there's less desperation but what there is now is just a genuine love for what you do which comes out in what you do. Um, you know, and I guess, I guess that just speaks louder than any form of phone call chasing can do, I guess, at the end of the day. Absolutely. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head there. Yeah. Um, look, I on behalf of me, um, because there's no one here with me, so I can't <laughs> I can't say this on behalf of anyone else other than me. Um, I'm really grateful for everything you do and everything that you're and and, and the the paths that people like yourself set up for us because at the end of the day, um, you know, for every success, there's a couple of people riding on your coattails and that's not a bad thing. That's, that's you know, that's a thing that we're all very grateful for. And so, um, so yeah, I, I personally am very appreciative of everything you do and, and that you continue to do. And in particular, I'm really grateful that you took time out of what is truly <laughs> a, an impossibly exhausting schedule. Uh, to chat to me today and just give me give give all my listeners a bit more of an insight into what makes the Micmac family, or what makes a family into Micmacs. Yeah, but, yeah. But and, and thank and thank you so much. We're really enjoying your your music too. We've got placed there on on our on our playlist. I love the uh, the Turtle song. Yeah, excellent. Thank you. Thank you very much for the questions, Benny. Because it's you now we. Like I said, we are creating so much, and at the moment it's so chaotic with homeschooling and creating and trying to keep things floating that a reflection time like this really sort of makes us stop and think about what we're doing and why we're doing it in the first place. So thank you for giving us the opportunity to sit down and reflect on what we're doing because it's a really valuable process. Yeah, no, my pleasure. Right. Thanks, Benny. Thank you so much for really enjoying getting us involved. It was awesome. Excellent. Take care. Okay, mate. See ya. See ya. Bye. Bye. And of course, if you'd like to know more about the Micmacs, you can head along to their website at www.themicmacs.com. And of course, for more Benny Time goodness, you can head along to www.bennytime.com. Thanks for listening to me, Benny, asking Al and Joel questions. Yeah.